0: There are now over 3.5 billion people who regularly spend time on social media and these numbers are continually rising in the world. Sadly, there are those who abuse social media by trolling and bullying and creating posts that invoke negativity and criticism. Most times there's very little accomplished by these activities, only creating more division and discontent. Here's where you and I can make a huge difference. I want to challenge you to be positive online, just as you aim to be a better person in your daily life. Do so on your screens. Every post, every like, every share impacts others, and you have the power to uplift people every day. Hey, it's Charlie. Thanks for listening to the Encouragers United podcast. And so that's what we're learning here. The past few weeks, we've been studying about this guy named Jonah. He was a guy that received multiple mulligans in his life. We're reading about one of them. We've learned from Jonah's story that our story is kind of like that as well. We realize that there's times in our lives where we are running away from God. And in fact, we've learned back in week one, you remember this, we might be able to run from God but we can never outrun God, right? We learned that. And then in week two, chapter two, we, re- we realized that it is never too late to pray. You remember that? And that God is truly a God of mulligans, a God of second chances. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Jonah. We're going to start right away there in chapter three. And I want you to read one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture. If you remember the end of chapter 2, right? Jonah gets uh, vomited up on the beach, right? And he drives himself off maybe. And we read uh, these wonderful precious words in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. <laughs> a second time, perhaps We've learned that God is a God of second chances, that His discipline for us is very thorough, but it's never without purpose. His grace for us is guaranteed. The Word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. What a beautiful, beautiful passage. Maybe one of the most powerful passages in all the Bible. After all that Jonah's done, all the running, all the swimming, all of the cramped riding inside a great fish, descending into the very dark and deepest of places, He turns back to God, and God gives him a second chance. And I can't emphasize this enough with you in this story today. Because this story really isn't about how far away we can get from God. Because Jonah was very far away from God. He felt that. It's really a story about God's love, about God's forgiveness, His grace in Jonah's life. And we will see today that the love and grace that God has not only for Jonah and for you and me, but for even a wicked generation of people called the Ninevites. You see, you might be in a place today and you're kind of having an argument in your head. You are feeling some conflict because you actually don't think that God could use you because of all that you've been through, all that you may have done, the choices that you've made you're saying pastor charlie i just don't i can't and you know what i'm here to tell you today because i know somebody needs to hear this that's garbage that's a lie and our enemy the devil is whispering into your ear that you're no longer useful to god and I want you to resolve yourself today that when that enemy starts whispering that into your head, he starts reminding you of your past, I want you to start reminding him of his future. He whispers in your ear to remind you of your past, that the bad choices or the places and the things that you've done, the dark places that you've been to. I want you to just tell him to his face that he and that his future and your future is what you're going to focus on. Because I'm here to tell you today that God can do anything for anyone, anytime He wants. Isn't that cool? Write those words with passion. Because God can do anything through you, anytime that He wants. Even after an abortion, God can use you. Even after a moral failure, God can use you. Even after a divorce, yes, God can use you. After a decade or more of addiction to something that is destroying you, God can use you. and He's not a God that's just so far off, giving second chances to some people who lived hundreds or thousands of years ago in the Bible. No, He's a God of today, and He's giving second chances today in our lives, extending to us His love and His grace for what we've done, the bad choices that we may have made right here. That's the truth. And you can take that check to the bank. But let's talk about this. Because you know what happens when Jonah finds himself on the beach? God gives Jonah the same assignment. (laughs) Yes, he gives Jonah a second chance. He says, yep, strap your boots on, bud. But the directions are still the same. Go to Nineveh. There it is in verse 2. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. See, see, God doesn't go down and say, "Oh well, my goodness, you've been through a lot, and the big fish, and the storm, and you know, swimming for your life, and whatever." And I guess maybe I could send somebody else, or you know, I could maybe reassign you to something else. If you're, you know, you really, you really didn't want to do this, did you, Jonah? Yeah, I guess maybe we could change. No, 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 no. That's not it. It reminded me this week of my children. They're not here today, but maybe I did this to my dad one day. I may have been like this. My kids were the same. Maybe your children don't want to go to bed at night, right? And as soon as I was probably told that it was time to go to bed, I flopped on the floor and threw a fit and ran around the house and tried to figure out a way to get out of going to bed. And our kids did the same. When they were little, they were, first they'd throw a fit. You know, well, okay, throw a fit, that's okay, yeah. And then they'd try to, well, can we have one more story? Just one more story. Can I have a drink of water? I, I forgot to do this. I got to do it. I got I to, you know, no, 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 listen. They'd flop around, throw a fit, make excuses. But Wendy and I, and my dad, by the way, they had two things for me. We had two statements for our kids, right? Number one, you can throw a fit. You can throw a fit all you want. Flop around, yes. Holler, scream, fight, spit. Number two, It's still time to go to bed. Still time to go to bed. Blessings. Best wishes. Go ahead. But it's still time to go to bed. You know what, Jonah? You've been through a lot. I know. You got seaweed around your head. Some scholars say that the the, 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 the digestive juices may have bleached his skin. My goodness. It's hideous to be in the belly of a whale. You've been through a lot, poor son. But guess what? Time to go to Nineveh. Still time to go. I have to tell you a quick story. I'll tell you a lengthy, you know, more fight uh, later. But I have a real-life version of this. When I was about 18 years old, I was a senior in high school, made some decisions about my future, much like Jenna and Jillian. I have to admit that I felt the call of God to be a pastor. But it was faint. It was not clear. It was, it was, it was uneasy. I was 18 years old. didn't have pastors in my blood, so to speak. I didn't know what to do with that. And I can't admit that I ran, but I did hop on another train, maybe to Tarshish. (laughs) And God actually let me go to Tarshish. And I lived in Tarshish for a long time. And I would hear the echoes every so often of his call. Forty years later, God says, still time to go to Nineveh. I was 48 years old when Wendy and I decided to make the. Because here's what I've learned Brothers and sisters, delayed obedience does not change the instructions. Delayed obedience does not change the instructions. So Jonah makes his way to the great city. Some scholars and commentators would tell you that it's a long trip. It's at least a couple weeks of walking to get from the shore of the Mediterranean to this great city inland, Nineveh. And I was thinking this week as I I thought about that as a pastor myself now, that likes to take walks or bike rides, it made me think a couple things about this. Number one must be true is that if God has gone to all this trouble with Jonah, the citizens of Nineveh must really need to hear what he has to say, right? They must really need to hear this message. And number two, Jonah must be an outstanding preacher, right? And he has a couple weeks to walk, General Bible scholars and, and writers on this will, will tell you that he had a couple weeks to think of the illustrations that he might use and the words that he will craft to make this grand statement to the Ninevite people. Like Jonah's message from them must be going to be really exciting and awesome. Right? He's resolved to do what God told him to do. And so in verse 4, we actually read what happened. It's a massive city, three days journey across it. So Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city and he proclaimed 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's my mic drop, by the way, period. That's it. What? Uh, Excuse me. How many words is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words. Like there's no opening, there's no fancy illustration with a golf club. You know, Jonah, what are you doing here? Follow with me and keep reading. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, and he covered himself in sackcloth and sat down. You see, these were images... Of great sorrow and repentance, sackcloth, it's really uncomfortable, by the way, and ashes and dust. This stranger walks into the town, states an eight word message, and that's it. And even the king pants bravely and turns back to God. It's like me coming in here this morning, no music, no preparation. No golf club. No 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 fanfare. Walnut Creek, 40 days and you're going to be overthrown. That's it. That's just what he did. And the king goes so far, and read on in verse 7 here. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion so that we will not perish. That's serious repentance, folks. How did this happen? I'm thinking to myself this week, I I, I don't think it's usually that easy. Right? Why did this message work? God, what was going on? It's a miracle, sure. Okay, but we can't leave it at that, right? How could this message have worked? The answer? God, right? But then God. (laughs) I did a little research with some help of historians, both Christian and non-Christian, secular historians. Ah, they give me some background information that there were a few things happening in and around Nineveh at the time of Jonah's arrival. Hmm, what do you think was going on around Nineveh at those days? You know what? Actually, I found that some very bad things were happening around Nineveh at that time. If you're following along here. Actually, there were two historical plagues that killed up to 30% of the population of the city in the last several years prior to this. Oof, we know what that's all about. We've been through that. Scary business. Two plagues. Not just one, two killed 30% of the city. There was a solar eclipse just prior to what was going on with Jonah, right? And for pagan people who didn't understand creator God like we do, a solar eclipse is like scary. Like something's going on, something's changing in the in the heavens. And there were actually threats from very evil warrior tribes that were starting to siege the city. Aha! So get your mind into this context. It's a king of a grand city. Hundreds of thousands of people dealing with two plagues, a solar eclipse, threatening warrior tribes, sickness, death, changes in the sun in the sky. A fear of stronger people coming in and and taking them over. You see what's going on here? It's what we've been talking about the whole time. God wanted Jonah to do what he told him to do. So what did he do? He sent a storm. He sent a big fish. He sent his word the second time. God wants Nineveh to repent. Guess what he's guess what he's doing? He sends two plagues. He sends a solar eclipse. He sends these the threats of the warring tribes. And then you or I could have walked into Nineveh and said, Turn because the city's about to fall. Really? Exactly. We need to remember that when God gives us the prompt or the inclination, the instruction to go and do something on his behalf, we need to understand that God is working in the lives of everyone that you meet. God is working in their life. Your co-workers, your classmates, your teammates, your neighbors, your family. God's working in their lives under the surface. And Jonah is that Classic, wonderful story that teaches us this great truth. The Ninevites were some of the meanest, most evil, harshest people of their time. The Assyrians, right? That's the Assyrian nation. People all over the world looked like they would never be open to Jonah's message. There's no way that Jonah's message was going to be helpful or effective. But God went ahead with Jonah. And Jonah delivers the message. Look at that message. It's the same way with you and I. I promise you, God is at work in everyone that we meet, doing things that you and I cannot see so that people will be ready for us to tell them about Jesus, to tell them about our lives, to listen and and share stories. You see, I I want you to see it this way. We actually don't start at step one with people. We simply join God in where he's already working. Isn't that a great truth? We don't start at step 1. We simply join God in where he's working. Sometimes we get all freaked out because, you know, we don't we don't have everything just lined up. Like I don't have a theology degree and I don't I don't know my Bible very well and, you know, I don't have, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to explain the Old Testament and then the New Testament, and I'm going to have to, you know, explain to them where the dinosaurs went and you know why this is like this and what I can't do all that. And 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 excuses, excuses, excuses. No, speak what you know, your experience with God. Tell the truth, no more, no less. You be you. Tell your story and see what God might be doing. Have a little social experiment here today kind of fun. And I apologize if you didn't pick up one of our news, then you might not be able to participate in this. But if you have a news, let's hold it up. You Got the news? Who's got the news? All right, flip it over and on the back of your news, down near the bottom, there should be a number. Everybody have a number, Jana? Good job. All right. Okay, there's your number. That's how many people need to talk to you about Jesus in your life for you to become a believer. Hmm, there you go. That's how many times Somebody needs to talk to you about Jesus before you become a believer. Awesome. That makes sense, right? Who's got one? Or no, there's no ones. How many twos? A bunch of people got twos. How about threes? Got some threes? Fours? Five? How about nine? Anybody got nine? Eight? Ooh, pretty high. You're a real stubborn one, aren't you? Just kidding. Just kidding. For our little experiment today, I want you to think back to what I did when we started. How many people did you shake hands with today? You remember how many people greeted you and you you shared a little handshake or said hi? Try to to figure it out. How many people? Okay, now now take that number and subtract what you have on your paper. Or if it's negative, welcome to the kingdom. Right? Did you talk to enough people today to become a Christian? How many people have one left? So you're a five, but you only talked to four people at the greeting time. You got one left. Anybody? You do that math? Think about that situation. You go through your whole life, you've talked to people about Jesus occasionally, but you've got one time left. Nineveh had one time left. All Jonah had to do is go tell them the story. They became believers. If just one more person would have shook your hand this morning, you'd have changed your heavenly zip code. You'd have been a believer. What does this mean for us today? What does all this mean? You know that family member that's far away from God right now? You know that co-worker or your neighbor? You just pray that they would get connected to God somehow. They all have a number. They all have a number. And we don't know what that number is. But God help us, we're supposed to be a part of His plan, joining Him in His work to tell people what we know. I promise you, God is building His case in their lives for you. Right? He's already working. We don't start at square one. We don't start at ground zero. Oh, but Pastor Charlie, you don't know my neighbor, my boss, my spouse. They're like a 62. Yeah, that's their number. Okay. My kid? Oh, my gosh. Pastor Charlie, my kid's like 160. Okay. But they're 160. Let's get to work. We chip away 160 and we change their lives forever, just like Jonah did for the Ninevites. He's already working. I'm going to bring this home because I read some real old literature, right? We should all read old things, old things, and, and, and they're really good for us. St. Saint Augustine, St. Saint Augustine said this, get a, load, get a load of this this morning. Without God, we cannot. But without us, did you catch that? Without God, We can't do anything. He's the vine. I'm the branch. Right? And if I abide in Him, I'll bear much fruit, Jesus said. But without us, God won't. That's a powerful statement for us today. You never know what God is doing. You have to be faithful. We simply do what God has told us. Because here's the thing, and I'm so blessed and again, I, I know we're on a little honeymoon period and I'm not even here a year yet and you know, things are going really good. God is so good to us. And the only thing I can do and sit in that office down around the corner is say, I am blessed beyond all measure and you are so good to me. Should I have done this 40 years? ago? But you know what? God is so good. And those 40 years were very valuable in my life, as was the storm and the belly of the whale and the walk from the Mediterranean to Nineveh for Jonah. But I have one question to end with today. Does your Nineveh have a name? Does your Nineveh have a name? Are you sent to go talk to your Nineveh? In a world that is becoming increasingly sad, depressed, and hopeless, individuals with great hope are needed now more than ever these inspirational leaders come in the form of teachers pastors coaches and mentors they possess a deep abiding faith an enthusiastic hope and a passion to build others up we are the encouragers and these are our stories join charlie grimes each week as he meets new people learns their stories and inspires you to make a difference in the lives of others we want you to learn how to start where you are take what you have and do what you can. Subscribe now and you'll never miss an episode of the Encouragers United Podcast.